Ah, yes, friends. On a Thursday, you know the deal. It's OGP, the one giant podcast, and we are your hosts over there, Andy Makowitz, over here, Adam Armbrecht. Collectively, healthy, wealthy, and wise? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm feeling good, baby. I, you know, we, we, we got out of we got out of the draft. We got some of the undrafted free agents. It feels like we're kind of sifting through now, like what the depth chart is going to look like, you know, what, what players we're bringing in, who has an opportunity to make this roster that, you know, a week ago we may have not even heard of before. I'm kind of getting excited about, about, you know, what the back end of this roster could look like for the Giants. Yeah, listen, a lot of young players, as we said, between the draft and free agency, it's just the, the – Again, it's it's the what if, right? What could be, depending on how some of these players look. And we'll continue to wait to hear. I was watching, rewatching some interviews with Wink Martindale once he was hired and what he looks to do. Little tidbit here before we're going to get into a James Bradbury update. We're going to talk about the draft picks that came in the secondary primarily today and how that can reshape that room on the defensive side of the ball. But one thing that, that I did take away from rewatching the interview was you know, they said, Bob Papa, you love to bring pressure. That's what you're all about. And Wink said, yeah, I do. But pressure can look different. It you know, can come at you in a lot of different ways. It doesn't always have to be from the same players. doesn't have to be from the same position on the field. doesn't have to be necessarily with multiple blitzing pressures. It can just be a four-man front and bringing pressure, or in our case, maybe a three-man front, right? So um, it was a good reminder of, we talk about Wink Martindale's system, pressure, 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 like, and he's going to do that. But more importantly is that he's going to bring pressure and impact opposing offenses in unique and different ways. It's about the variation of it, right? He referenced how the league has evolved. So you, you can't lose sight of that because it's remember we had a guy in Steve Spagnola that for a number of years was getting after that QB and doing it beautifully until some of the players turned over and all of a sudden just running rampant and trying to blitz the quarterback was no longer the only thing that you could do. So good reminder in that regard, Andy, before we dive in on the conversation. Yeah. The, the thing that we've tried to hit home to people is that when we talk about pressure and this is what Wink keeps stressing, it's not just about an edge rusher. It's yeah. not just about Kayvon Thibodeau. Now he allows you to do so many other things with this defense, but it isn't just, Hey, we have guys on the outside that can rush from the outside and get to the quarterback. It's, how do we get a complement of players in the secondary and in our linebacking core that allow us to get these creative schemes? The, the Baltimore Ravens had the um, most pressures without a player getting contacted in the NFL. So what does that mean? Like, how are they missing assignments? It's because Wink is very creative in how he moves people around in the field. And that's why when we talk about, you know, the edge rusher being important and pressure being important, it's equally as important the linebackers that Wink Martindale drafted in, in McFadden and Beavers, but it is critical that the cornerbacks can either play press coverage or get out and get after the quarterback on a blitz. And that is why we focus in on that level of the defense, the secondary here. And first and foremost is the James Bradbury update. Um, it feels like it feels like we're into like trilogy, possibly oh. like this is like trilogy reboot territory. There's a new actor playing the lead role, but we're not sure if we like him as much as the original. It's a story that doesn't end, but I will just openly admit that the latest news on it was it looks like, as Joe Shane had referenced, by the end of this week, it'll be resolved, the situation. And it looks like it's turning towards the Giants are just going to have to outright release him. The wrinkle that I didn't really think about in all of this was that while the Giants and Joe Shane were looking for trade partners and trying to get respectable value and trying to clear some money off the books, 
you also had other teams, right? The other the other party saying, well, you know, what, compensatory three? I mean, maybe a four. We're going to take $10 million, $11 million back in this. Maybe you guys eat some money. Maybe we'll give you a later draft pick or a pick next year. Third wrinkle, James Bradbury, who apparently when they had multiple opportunities to move James, it got held up because he was trying to negotiate a new contract with the trade partner and they couldn't come to terms. Now, I fully understand why James Bradbury is doing that, right? Uh, there's a number of factors to it, but just on his surface, do you go as, uh, when I first mentioned this to, to pessimistic Mike, he went, he goes, well, I hate him now. <laughs> you know, it was like the very, the knee-jerk reaction was like, well, good riddance then, get him off the roster. Was that, how do you feel just initially? I, at first, I think everyone felt the same way where it's like, wow, you know, Joe Shane's trying to find the right trade partner. Oh, it's not materializing. Did he blow this? Oh, we feel bad for James Bradbury. He's given everything to this team, and now we're limiting the amount of teams that need a cornerback. You're like, this is terrible for James Bradbury. Then, like, you, you start to read all this stuff, and, and you realize it takes three to tango, as you pointed out. It's like the Giants want to trade him and get value for him. The team wants to give up what they feel is fair compensation. But we all forgot door number three, which is James Bradbury has a say in this, where he's like, I want a new deal or I'm not going to play with you. And, and so him adding that pressure in, and then you couple it with the comments that he's made over the years about Dave Gettleman. He is one of Gettleman's guys, too, because he came out and said, he went and got me in Carolina. I appreciate and respect him. He then went to New York. I became a free agent. He came and got me again. I, you know, I basically, you know, not putting words in his mouth, but he's like, I, I have a very fond affinity for this guy, considering he made me millions of dollars in the NFL. Yeah. So he's kind of saying they got rid of DG, who is my guy. Now a new regime wants to ship me out. I'm not going to make it easier for them to get rid of me when I have this money. If you want to release me, go ahead. Then I can sign with whoever I want, whenever I want, as opposed to the Giants dictating it. It did change things a lot in my mind, Adam, because you're like, oh, James Bradbury is is getting you know hosed here. And instead, I'm like, actually, Joe Shane had a bunch of deals on the table, and James Bradbury made it more difficult for the Giants to move on. See, and it's funny, too, because I went through the spectrum of it, but I, I kind of came back to neutral because, remember, like, James Bradbury is kind of getting hosed. Like, he was brought in to be a part of a winning football team. The team was a disaster. Right now, listen, you still make your money, but James Bradbury didn't sign up for this. Then, when you change over the regime and you bring in a new defensive coordinator, like, how are the Giants representing James Bradbury? Quality player. Doesn't fit our scheme. Like, couldn't play in our system, though. Like, we can't use them, but I'm sure somebody else can, right? So, and again, it, it's fine on all sides. I get what, because what Bradbury is now saying is, listen, and because other teams that are like, yeah, we, we, yeah, we want him. Well, we don't want to give him a new contract, though, because the, the next year, last year of his contract is completely voidable. There's nothing on the books in that one. So it's about, oh, we want a one-year rental. Come on in, James. Help us win a championship. We're not going to bring you back again. You're not, you know, James Bradbury at his age at that position, like this is his last chance to kind of cash in. And I think in the same way, I'll frame it the same way the Giants were looking at it, the way all everybody was looking at this, the, the Giants wanted to thread the needle of how long do we try to hold on to this player while still getting the maximum value we can, while still moving out the most amount of money possible and trying to get ourselves into the best position moving forward. Just like other teams and what they're going to give up and what they're going to commit, James Bradbury was saying, well, okay, I could take these deals and go somewhere else and not get a new contract and get paid the $10, $11 million that's on the books and the Giants will take the dead cap and that's where it stands. But if I ride this out, I still get paid the money that the Giants have to pay me. Right. And then I can maybe on the open market go negotiate, what, a four, five, maybe, you know, who knows, $6 million deal, depending on how things shake out and give myself a real opportunity to have success, let alone that if it comes to a veteran minimum, 
Uh, and shout out to Mike on this one, too, because he goes, you know, it's a great spot to go to if you're going for a one-year minimum and reset your value or make some money and get a championship. Maybe I'll just drive down to Tampa and I'll join a team that's ready to win right now, right? All these teams that were talked about, it could have been Kansas City, it could have been Las Vegas, teams that are in position to win, but I, I, I get it. I, I do get it from James Bradbury's standpoint. So there's no real blame here. There is a level of frustration, I think, across the board. I wish I wish more teams gave more to the Giants. I wish they wanted to sign James Bradbury long-term. I wish Joe Judge had just taken the deal sooner, right? All these things can be true. Oh, totally. And and Adam, the, the whole idea behind this also is, is I don't like begrudge James Bradbury for what he's doing. He is 28 years old, Adam. He will be 29 before the first snap of this upcoming NFL season. If he's on a one, basically a one-year deal with no guarantees past that, like we know cornerbacks that get to be 30 years old or more, all of a sudden, like it's tough to get a bigger contract. So what he's sitting there saying is like, Hey, I don't want to play in a one-year prove-it deal. Like if you want to come trade for me, Give me a two or even a three-year deal. Give me a couple million guaranteed the following season. So, like, I completely get it for him. He, he's basically saying, either pay me to come play for your team or the Giants are going to release me and I can go where I want. And to me, you know, when you talk about player empowerment, it makes a bunch of sense. The yeah. thing I worry about most is that the Philadelphia Eagles have a terrible secondary right now, and they really could use a corner on the other side of Darius Slay. And I could see if James Bradbury really is a Gettleman guy more than a Giant, he could just say, they have a need. I can compete for a playoff spot. I can be the number two cornerback, and I could probably get paid pretty decently. And I don't have to move my family more than what seventy-five miles down the road. Like yeah. that is a very real option for James Bradbury should the Giants release him this week. Yeah, and big part of that too, right? Like going moving moving to Kansas City for one year to turn around and maybe move somewhere else the year after. So all, all these things being equal. It didn't strike me as being an enormous factor. It turns out that it is, and now I find myself. Uh, sitting here thinking, you know, what what could have been ultimately and what ultimately will be is the impact that it's going to have here for the New York football giants because um, while they may release him by the end of this week, all indications are is they're going to give him the post-June 1 designation, which means he'll be off the roster. The Giants won't be able to touch the money yet, but it will increase the money that they save, the cap savings that they get here, by about a million, million and a half if, if this ends up playing out that way. So it's not insignificant in that regard um, what the Giants can keep, but it it still does – you have to look at this roster and the signings and everything else. Like James Bradbury alone was not going to provide all the money that you needed here, so there's more decisions coming in behind this. Yeah, Adam, and just for, for the actual dollars and cents yeah. on this, if the Giants were to cut him with a pre-June 1st designation, which it sounds like it's not going to be, it would be $10.1 million in cap savings for the Giants. If they do a post-June 1, which you uh, astutely pointed out, it's just a clerical thing. Like, you could release him tomorrow and just say, hey, we're, we're putting right. this money over there. And to your point, it means the Giants just can't touch that money until June 1st. If he is a post-June 1 release, the Giants will save $11.5 million against the cap, which yeah. is a big chunk of change. And like, hello, this is the reason why James Bradbury is in the predicament that he is, because that's so much money for the Giants to free up. Now, the tough part of it is it is $10.3 million in dead cap for the Giants that they're swallowing. But again, yeah. if you're Joe Shane and you're thinking about this being a multi-year rebuild, you have to be okay swallowing that money to know that we can get better next year. Instead of extending him and giving him a bigger contract with voidable years and doing all this different stuff to lower his cap and really pushing this problem down the road, he's saying, 
okay, we'll do a post-June one. We'll move a million and a half bucks to next year to give us a little bit more breathing room now, which is not malpractice for the salary cap next year when we have $75, $80 million earmarked for it. It is a, you know, a middle ground that the Giants had to do because they need the money, but they didn't rob 2023 to pay 2022. 100%. And then just to clarify, what could have been in a trade pre-June 1 would have looked like 12.1 million in cap savings versus 9.7 and change uh, in dead cap money or a post-June 1 trade, which would have been 8.3 in dead cap with 13.5 million in cap savings. That's the only interesting factor here around that is like, how long can you let this wait? And and would you go into the roster and say, who are the guys we know we're going to cut? How much money can we free up, et cetera? But, and I, and this is why I think there's a, there's a, a threshold of, well, releasing him now, and, and this is assuming there's injuries or something else that, that arises where a team would want to trade for him or they could get a contract done. But by releasing him now, it's the little bit of flexibility of saying, we can allow guys to come in to fight for their positions, right? To see what they look like and not feel a pressure to need to make any one decision in particular. And we're going to talk about, I think, a guy that could be impacted by that in Darius Slayton when we get into the wide receiver room come Friday. But but that being the case here, yeah, go ahead. Before let me, we get let me into... just say one, one thing on James Bradbury, the money numbers that you pointed out is the exact reason why the Giants are in this predicament. You talked about threading the needle. Teams are like, we don't just have 12 million laying around in the couch cushions to pay James Bradbury. You have to eat some of it. And the Giants are like, well, the more that we eat, like we don't have that much room. And and we're already, we're already the, eating. We're eating the dead cap. We're eating we're 10 million dead cap. We're eating here. 10 million dead cap. We could outright release him, and that's fine. So the question is, how much of that extra money does Joe Shane want to pay to get a sixth-round pick, a fifth-round pick? It makes no sense at that point. So really there was that like buffer where it sounds like Joe Shane found like a middle ground where maybe he got a sixth-round pick, saved an extra million bucks. Everyone would have been happy except James, James Rabray. That's not going to be the case. As Joe Shane said in his interview, by the end of this week, by Friday, most likely outcome, James Bradbury will be released. And that means this cornerback room will look slightly different moving forward, Adam. 100%, man. So now when we talk about what is Wink Martindale going to be working with in the secondary, we know at pick 81 in the NFL draft, they took Cordell Flott out of LSU. They also backed that up there at pick 114 where they went and took Dane Belton out of Iowa, the safety, who and they both have some versatility, obviously, um, speculating whether or not Flock can play outside a little bit. Belton, who played down in the slot at times, played near the line of scrimmage. So you think you bring yourself some versatility here. Before we touch into, I think, a couple of these undrafted free agents and what that could look like, um, where's your confidence level at the, with these two players coming into the room? Even before we get into the depth chart and anybody else that's on this roster, where's your confidence level? Because we mentioned it yesterday. There's only the guarantee, at least coming into camp, you would think that Adoree Jackson, Robinson, and maybe Radarius Williams are are kind of guys. And obviously Xavier McKinney. Let's make that clear. You know, the only guys you go, hey, yeah, they're in the room. That's four guys that are in the room. You add in these two, you're up to six. But but what do you you know? You feel about it? I mean, how do you feel about these two players in particular coming in the door? So Cordell Flott. Candidly, I, I didn't have him as high as Joe Shane did. Again, I like the pick at cornerback because we knew James Bradbury was going to be moving on. The same way that, you know, Wandell Robinson, you know, versus my other preferences in this draft. Same sure. thing happened, but at least they addressed the position and they picked the traits and characteristics that, that they like. And with Flott, the thing that everyone says is he is a very hard worker. He got thrown into the fire as a freshman and, and, and performed um, admirably. They say he, 
He works hard. He can play inside, outside. He's got decent size at six foot, so he can guard a little bit of a bigger player. I like him in this mix. I feel like he brings a little bit more versatility than, say, someone like Darnay Holmes, who's from the previous regime. And I think mm-hmm. that's why you you um, smartly omitted him from the people that I think are, are most likely to make this roster. When you look at the versatility of Aaron Robinson, you look at the size and athleticism of Rodarius Williams, really the question that I think is going to come up at him is, if, if Rodarius Williams is healthy coming off that ACL injury, because if he is healthy – do, do you feel like he brings a little bit more to the table in the cornerback room than Darnay Holmes does? Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess the optimism on him obviously is a little bit higher because we've seen more of a sample size on Darnay Holmes, and we just feel like, you know, he, he's your slot guy, and if it's not going to work there, it's not going to work anywhere, and you have other players that can fill those roles. My only, I, I, I guess I'll push back just a little bit here, though. You said this the other day, too, about Radarius Williams, the size, the length. Like, Radarius Williams is six foot 193. Like, he's he's no bigger than anybody else. Like, Flott is obviously 175. We're going to get into some of the undrafted free agents here, but, like, Radarius Williams is the guy. Now, he has good length. He has good arm reach, I guess you would say. Like, he plays big. But he's no bigger than anybody else. Like, he's just a guy in the cornerback room. And that's what I think the difference is here, specifically talking about coming over from a previous regime. Well, that we really liked Robinson. They went up to get him in that draft class. The injury, the uncertainty there around it. Same thing with Rodarius Williams. We may like him. But we're talking about guys the Giants took in the third and fourth round in this year's draft class. For me, like, at least coming in the door, there's NFL experience that matters. There's also the injury concerns that Shane and Dable have talked so much about. Reliability, like, the guys they drafted this year immediately for me are on even footing with anybody that's currently sitting in that room because what have they proven, right? We don't have any sample size that says these guys are capable. And to your point about Darnay Holmes, it's just he's proven that he's, you know, probably average back end of it. And at that point, you just as well give some other guys opportunities here. But I, just, I, I want to make that distinction because I, I don't think the Giants don't have any of these lengthy corners in the room. Well, so uh, let me let me explain contextually a little bit more. So one of the reasons why people love Sauce Gardner so much is because he did have length. Like he is yeah. very big size-wise in terms of height, but at the same time, he is rangy with his length and his wingspan. And and basically they say like an extra inch or two of wingspan, it translates tremendously, almost yeah. even yeah. more than speed in the, in the NFL playing defensive back because it's the difference like with these bang bang plays it's the difference between be, being able to tip a ball that might be deep and not be able to get to it. The reason why I talk about Rodarius Williams the way that I do is because he has a 75 inch wingspan. So while he's 6 foot, he plays like he's 6'3 with that wingspan. Look at Darnay Holmes for instance. Darnay Holmes is 5'9 and has a 69 inch wingspan. So you're talking about a half a foot difference in terms of being able to spread out and look big. You know, Cordell Flott is is considered like tall, wiry at six foot. He's got a 73-inch wingspan. So when you talk about Rodarius Williams, he's got a couple inches even on Cordell Flott, who we like. So it's not necessarily the height that I talk about. It's the ability and and radius that these guys can cover in short, tight windows. The other thing, and that's a really good point to make here too, because wingspan does matter, some of those measurables. I'm just going to throw out a little layer here as we get into um, some of the things around these undrafted free agents as well in this room. Rodarius Williams, when he came out, in the draft class, he came out rated as a 34 out of 100. That was his grade coming out of the draft over on Draft Buzz. Relative to, just to give it as we'll get into this, Zion Gilbert, who's cornerback safety, undrafted free agent that the Giants brought in, he grades out as a 60 coming out of this draft. Um, from you know measurables aside, 
I think this is also the distinction we make coming from one regime to the other, of being like, I just have more confidence in what the scouting department brought in the door for this year as opposed to what they've done in the past, let alone that Rodarius Williams is 25 years old. Like, all of these things are factors inside of this. And the, the point being, not to because we're getting to the depth chart here in a second. The point being is that it's wide open in this secondary room. I think that Flock can come in and play a role. I think that Belton can obviously come in and play a role. I think the writing is certainly potentially on the wall here for a guy like Julian Love. Now, they don't have a lot at safety, but Yusuf Corker also brought in as an undrafted free agent. So, you know, Julian Love has done some things on special teams. Won't be shocked if he's not on this roster by the end of camp and heading into the regular season. Going to see a lot of turnover in these spots. When you look at uh, in the undrafted free agent class, they brought in Darren Evans also from LSU. He's, I, I think, a, a flyer. I don't know if he's going to have a, an easy route to making this roster. But then you throw in, as I said, Yusuf Corker at safety out of Kentucky. You're going to throw in Trenton Thompson out of San Diego State. You're going to throw in Zion Gilbert out of Florida Atlantic, who, by the way, we said this last episode, had two top 30 visits with the Chiefs and with the Bengals. Safety, Brandon Easterling out of Dayton. Um, that's going to round out the list of players, <laughs> you know, five, six guys that are brought into the room in the undrafted class on top of the two that you brought in there. Do you think that this is, do any of these guys jump out at you? Let, let, let's, let's just start there because the Florida Atlanta product, I think, has a real opportunity to be on this roster and to steal a spot from a Darnay Holmes, from a Rodarius Williams in that depth chart area for the Giants. So I, I find it interesting the way that you, you phrased all this because you, for the last couple of years, loved Julian Love. And then you said you fell into like with Julian Love. So you slowly backtracked your your appreciation and affinity for Love and the more tape you saw, which is fair. I completely get it. I've kind of been like, oh, he's he's a perfect compliment to Xavier McKinney because we're going to play cover one a lot. It's fine. But Adam, you bring up some really, really good points. And I'm going to tip my cap to you on this because I really didn't have Julian Love as a guy circled that is in doubt to make this roster. But there's a lot at play here. One, he's from a previous regime, right? Very simply, like you can't you can't count that out. They got Belton. They that Yusuf Corker was projected to go as a mid-round pick. I believe yeah. he had a few top 30 visits. Like he's a guy that was one of those top priority free agent, you know, undrafted free agent guys that everybody wanted to sign. He's a guy that can get up and, and get into the backfield and hit the boom on running back. So like that was a very good call out on your part. But if you if you look at, you know, Belton, you look at Corker as two potential replacements and Julian Love moves off this, most importantly Adam what do I always say? Follow the money, right? Follow the money. Yeah. And when you look at Julian Love, Julian Love has $2.7 million cap hit. He's got $190 million of dead cap. So the Giants could save more than they would save with releasing Darius Slayton, who we think is a prime candidate. It's like, can you get, you know, 85 cents or even more on the dollar releasing Julian Love and having someone like Belton and Corker backing up the safety position and having those three safeties on the roster? Yeah, a hundred percent. That's and again, like this is uh, we had some great conversations over on YouTube um, yesterday when we were talking about linebackers, talking about uh, Mika, uh, Micah McFadden, and someone was saying like, yeah, but you know Carter Coughlin, he had the injuries, so did Cam Brown, and and I was like, listen, man, nobody is a bigger supporter of Carter Coughlin <laughs> than me. I was like, but the, I was like, it's the it's the double and triple down reality. Yeah, he had an injury. He maybe was primed to have a role, but he didn't get that opportunity. He's from the previous regime. He's entering year number three out now. All of these things, all the timelines of these players matter here. Like, I think that some guys 
like Carter Coughlin can still have a role on this team. Like I think that you want to keep around certain players because you want to give them every opportunity to have success. But when you look in um, inside the secondary for the Giants and you see that a player like Julian Love, and to your point, when they first brought him in, I thought, man, I love this pick. No, no pun intended. And then he got on the field and you thought, huh, he seems to be struggling a little bit down around the line of scrimmage, especially in the slot where we thought he was going to play. Okay, now he's going to go back and be a safety. Okay, and he's kind of on the depth chart there. You see him mixed in a little bit, but he sure has special teams value, doesn't he? Like you kept you kept lowering the bar of standard. And as Andy's done a great job of research when we get through these offseason off season episodes, Julian Love was a 55.4 PFF. Like it's not like, you know, again, if you show me a grade on any of these players and you go, listen, small sample size, but this kid can do it. Okay, great. Like Julian Love has been a below average safety at the NFL level as a backup. So there's really no reason why you're going to stick around on a kid that let alone the money that you talked about. Also, when you think about where are you going to be another year from now, right? Are you re-upping these players? Are these guys long-term going to be fixtures for the New York football giants? I don't think so. So you might as well get off of them now and save yourself some money now. I do want to touch back on something real quick here, as I'm sure I think uh, I can tell by Andy's tweetering eyes. He may be doing some extra research in the background as we speak right now. <laughs> Both of these players inside of the draft class specifically. Oh, actually, I'm going to go one and one here. In the draft class, Cordell Flott, 74 and three-eighths wingspan. So you talked about that with uh, with Rodarius Williams, right? So a good wingspan for a guy at six foot six one. Likewise for Zion Gilbert, 74 and a quarter wingspan. So these guys have a little more size, a little bit better wingspan. Interestingly enough, you know, I said Radarius Williams is 23 years old, uh, 25 years old. You do have Zion Gilbert at already over 23 right now. And some of these undrafted free agents, you go and you look, they spent two years somewhere and then went to a larger school and worked for three years. So a lot of these guys developing opportunities for themselves is predicated on let me keep developing my game, and it may take me a little bit longer, but I can try to pick my spot to have a real chance here. So those two players specifically, to say nothing of uh, Yusuf Corker, as you mentioned, who I let's look at the depth chart, man. Like when you go inside the depth chart for the New York Football Giants, like what are we talking about here in the secondary? Obviously, it's going to be <laughs> James Bradbury still listed there, so I almost I almost blurted out his name at the top. Right now, it's Xavier McKinney and Julian Love listed as the safeties. I'm going to put Belton up there. Let's just put Belton at the top there and assume that Julian Love isn't going to be a part of this team and that Yusuf Corker has a real shot to come in and be the backup. You have Adoree Jackson on the other side. After that, it's Cordell Flott, Darnay Holmes, Aaron Robinson, Radarius Williams. And I can throw Jaron Williams in there if you want as well. What that tells me, though, is within reason, Cordell Flock can make this team and be a, a make this team can be a significant contributor to this team. And then Zion Gilbert, yeah, he can totally make this team. Whether or not I think that Darren Evans out of LSU has the skill set for it, I don't know. But it brings me to a, a deeper question that I want to ask you. Um, but do you, how many how many players do you see out of between the two you're getting in the draft? You know we're going to be on this roster. There's five bodies in that undrafted free agency room. You think at least two of them are on this roster? Oh, that I mean, it's it's a tough question. The, the problem that we have is that in the secondary, in in the safety position specifically, we're pretty thin. Like you have Xavier McKinney, and then you have Julian Love, and you have Dane Belton as the only three guys that are that are currently on the depth chart. You talked about Corker. I do expect him to give it a good run to to make this team. I wouldn't be surprised if he does. If, if you're for argument's sake, if you say Julian Love is going to not make this roster. And you're going to go with two rookies alongside Xavier McKinney. That's a little bit risky, but I could buy it. When you talk about the cornerback room, ah, man, I, 
I don't know. I like you said, Jaron Williams is there. I I think that Darnay Holmes is probably the one that I'm looking at saying, I don't know if, if there's a spot for him. And you say Flot, Rodarius Williams, and Aaron Robinson are the other ones to make it. I don't think I don't think Evans, to your point, necessarily has a skill set, but he is a body to, to bring in. Man, it's it's tough because you got you gotta think about what does Wink Martindale need? He wants to change over this roster. We have to get a little bit younger. And these are the types of guys that have more of his characteristics. Like, yeah. does Darnay Holmes at 5'9", with a shorter wingspan, do what Wink Martindale wants to do in his system? Where, like, Darnay could, like, you want a cornerback that has exotic looks where, like, he could be like he's in the slot. Then you blitz from the outside. Darnay drops outside. But can he cover a six foot three wide receiver running a go route? Like, I don't know that. So it's really tough depending on the skill set that Wink needs. Yeah, and then you also, just to uh, remember there too, inside of that safety room, this is where you'd be talking about, they invited in uh, amongst the undrafted free agents, Trenton Thompson as well out of San Diego State, right? And then you have Brandon Easterling. So they, they brought in, and this is kind of to your point about how thin they are, there's three players in that safety class undrafted combined with Belton. So there's four safeties that they're willing to look at. And again, versatility level on all these players as well. Be interesting to see what they do here. What I wanted to get out on then um, is what is the best play at corner for you? And what I mean by that is the Giants are obviously they're gearing towards releasing James Bradbury, freeing up this money. Okay, they have the undrafted. They have the draft class. Great. The question that some people were asking was, well, maybe you keep your eye out on the free agent market. Who's still out there and available? Maybe some cuts come along the way. Do you have a preference of, listen, if we're not going to, we think maybe Flock can be the guy on the outside, right? Go for it from week one. It's your job, right? It's your job to lose. It's it's Belton. These are your roles to take control. Aaron Robinson, this is your opportunity to showcase everything that you're worth in terms of turning over a roster, specifically in the secondary. Say Radarius Williams and Aaron Robinson are both in there. They're both in the mix. Darnay Holmes is gone. Julian Love is gone. I'm fine with put everybody into this mix here. Dory Jackson is the one proven commodity, as is Xavier McKinney. Everything else is, listen, show me what you're capable of. And I'd rather see that than, say, going and grabbing a 27, 28-year-old cornerback that gets released somewhere else or there's some veterans on the market right now that you can go look at and see names and ages that are not very attractive. I'd rather not spend the money out there on the market. I'll just live with the young players because I think that's what this season is about, development. And, and and understanding what you have on your roster and the needs you're going to have going forward. Do you, does that, does that resonate with you? Or are you on the side of, have ah, you told me you got a, a James Bradbury type of guy that got released somewhere else, but fit the system, I would pick him up. So uh, I'm in a little bit of a different boat than you because I'm starting to think with the turnover of this roster, the Giants can be more competitive quickly. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to make the playoffs, but they can be competitive faster than we think is the first thing. So that's fine. Yeah. So, so for me, being more competitive means we might be in more games. And I understand the idea of developing the roster, but at the same time, we don't know if Rodarius Williams is going to be the guy. What I do, the, my ideal world is Aaron Robinson starts outside alongside a Dory Jackson. You let Flop learn a little bit in the slot as that like nickel corner or exotic look kind of kind of guy because I don't think. From day one, he's a guy that you just put on the outside against like an AJ Green. You say, good luck, like go, go, go knock, knock yourself out. I do think, and Joe Shane, uh, don't take it from me, take it from Joe Shane. They talked about some of the undrafted free agents and what he's doing there. And he said, look, there are many ways still for us to improve this roster before week one of the NFL draft. 
we, I mean, before week one of the NFL sure. season, you know, obviously went through the draft. We're sifting through some undrafted free agents. He's like, think about how many cuts there's going to be down in training camp. Think about the waiver priority that we have to be able to claim some of these guys. I think he was specifically talking about the cornerback room when he was kind of intimating that. So I think if there's a guy that's 26 or 27 that gets released, but has the skill set that Wink Martindale likes, there's still a possibility you bring him in, you claim him on a, on a minimum deal. And if he shows up, maybe he's here for a little bit longer than that. Like 27 isn't that crazy. Could he be here for on a two or three year deal if you extend him? And he's part of the team that helps us get to the playoffs in the following season. So for me, I think if nothing happens, Aaron Robinson on the outside flot in, 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 you know, in, in the slot is how I would go. But I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Shane adds a veteran. Obviously, I don't want a guy that's like 33 years old. But if there's a guy that's a little bit younger that maybe you could have on this, you see this team for multiple years, I'm all for that. Yeah, listen, so quickly here as we talk about at the end of the day. First off, Aaron Robinson still remains someone that I am high on. Even Rodarius Williams, I'm not out on, on those players. I tend to be further away from Julian Love and from Darnay Holmes than those two. And just to your point, we knew it was a good pick last year. Remember, Aaron Robinson was came out with a mid-second round grade, and the Giants kind of got a steal there, right, for whatever we think about Dave Gettleman. There are some times when we looked at draft picks and said, oh, they may have actually done something here, right? Went and targeted a player that they like. He ran a 4-3-9-40. He is six foot, six foot one, and has all the measurables. When you just talk about comparing, I'm just going to run down this list quickly here. Tackling, run defense, coverage zone, and man press. 77% grade on draft buzz in man press coverage. Solid everywhere else, especially in run defense as well. Comparatively, when you look at Cordell Flott, it's right in the same kind of area there. Man press is his best attribute, and he's also pretty good in zone, etc. So the point being is these guys grade out where Aaron Robinson should have the leg up here. And I like your idea of let's start with Flott, give him some time inside here, get a little bit of weight on him, maybe learn the system, have some versatility. The only thing I stop short of is I agree with you. I think the Giants can be competitive and can be in some games this year, but it's a very fine line between my desire to be competitive in games and maybe win or lose them and sacrifice developing the young talent versus, hey, we lost a tight game where maybe Flot, oh, he could have made a couple plays here or there, but I'd rather him on the field taking those lumps and developing than having a 26, 27-year-old because I do disagree with you there too. Long end of the day here. I do disagree with you on that point of I do not look at the cornerback room and say, well, maybe a player that we brought in at 26 or 27 years old could be here for a longer amount of time. I don't want that. I want these young players to be developing. If one of them isn't going to work out, if Aaron Robinson can't work out on the outside, then we know outside cornerback is a big need going forward into next year's free agency class and the draft. So I think what you're trying to tell me, Adam, is that you don't think that we're one Jonathan Stewart away from competing. <laughs> for, 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 for. Is, that, is that what you're saying? Uh, one Jonathan Stewart away. Touche. Touche. <laughs> very, very well played, sir. Yeah, we're not that one little magic moment away, but it will be interesting. Joe Shane did talk about these things that the Giants are still going to do. The roster is not complete by any stretch. And some of these undrafted guys, some, Yusuf Corker, yes, we think that he could have a role. But a lot of the other ones, they're in the mix. Practice squad players, right? Maybe inspiring some better play from those ahead of them and holding positions for some players that could come here as cuts happen. And then obviously he said that priority window, at least the Giants are at the top of that as well. So this, unlike some of the other positions, I think there's there's a lot of excitement and intrigue and also a lot of questions. I think that that's where the secondary stands right now 
And that can work in Wink Martindale's system when you have the energy and the effort and certainly some of the skill sets that we're seeing here. We'll continue to break this down. Friday is going to be all about the wide receiver room. We're getting to Andre Miller. We promise we are going to talk about him. So we're going to dive in on that on Friday's show. You, of course, follow us on YouTube. Get us at social media. We've seen some really big numbers on YouTube, and we absolutely love it. The episodes are dropping every single day at high noon, so Andy and I could not be more appreciative. Follow, like, subscribe, all that good jazz. And as Andy would want, need, and evermore demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.